I know you're not in school anymore, but here's a true or false question or statement. I hope you had these in school anywhere where you, you had to pick true or false. So you tell me, what do you, what, no, don't tell me out loud, please. But here's the statement, what you don't know won't hurt you. You ever heard that? What you don't know won't hurt you. I've heard people say that before. But is that actually true or is that a false statement? Is there something that you don't know that could actually hurt you? Well, that that might be true and, and probably is in some cases. But in this case, it's not true. It's not true when it comes to this subject we're going to look at today, which is the subject of spiritual gifts. And I want you to notice the passage we... In, I'll put the verse on the screen here for you. In this passage, the very first verse in 1 Corinthians 12 <clears throat> tells us that what we don't know can hurt us. Because notice it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit there in 1 Corinthians 12. The whole passage is on spiritual gifts, and he knows they need to have this vital information. And the Holy Spirit is telling us that what we don't know about the spiritual gifts will actually hurt us. Ignorance is not bliss in this situation. And ignorance about spiritual gifts can, in fact, be harmful to our church as a whole as well as to you individually. And so we're going to examine a passage here in Ephesians that I hope will, to you will be clear and is going to thoroughly explain the nature and purpose of spiritual gifts. So with, with that, let's jump right into our passage here in Ephesians 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 7. Ephesians 4, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says... When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying, he ascended. What does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So this passage here in Ephesians 4 is providing some answers for us. Some very important 
questions need to be asked and answered, and so let's answer these questions as I often do. I've got a series of questions for you and I'll attempt to answer them from this passage. So let's answer these questions in a hope that we will not do what Ephesians 12.1 says, that we would not be ignorant regarding this very essential issue of spiritual gifts. So here's the first question. What are spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? And that's answered right there in the beginning of Ephesians 4, verses 7 and 8. It just clearly says in verse 7, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Well, maybe that's not so obvious. But those verses say that believers have been given gifts by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that English word in your Bible there, gifts, it's a common word, but the context here is revealing that they're referring to, well, I'll put it on the screen there for you, it's referring to abilities that God has granted to, but notice, to Christians for what purpose? Well, according to this context here, it's for the purpose of the edification of others in the church. Now, I'll expand on that little definition there of spiritual gifts as we move on through the text. But that all those words are basically coming here from the context. Who is the one who gives the spiritual gifts? Who actually gives these spiritual gifts? In other words, where do they come from? In Ephesians 4, as we read through this here, Hopefully you notice it says three times that it's Jesus Christ who gives the gifts to the church. Even in verse 7 it talks about that the grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ is the one as the head of the church who's giving these gifts. And so if you understand that any ability you have comes from a gracious God, and then anything good that you actually accomplish happens through His power alone, then you're going to be less likely to be proud, to be boastful and arrogant about that, then won't you? You'll also be less condescending toward other people. You'll be less critical toward other people who have different gifts from you, and that is tends to be our sinful nature, be critical condescending, judgmental of others. And you're going you're gonna to be this way because you're going to remember that God Himself is the one who's organized the body. He's, he's working things out according to His perfect plan. So who, who's giving the spiritual gifts according to this text? Well, God does. And then He's the one who enables us to use those gifts. Now here's the third question to think about. To whom have spiritual gifts been given? To whom have they been given? To everybody? Or is it only to super spiritual people? (laughs) Just to leaders of churches? Or Who gets the spiritual gifts? Well, look at verse 7. Again, it's really answered there for us in verse 7 of Ephesians 4. Because it says that the grace was given to each one of us. Well, then you've got to answer the, in the context, will tell us who is each one of us. 
What's the answer? Well, all the true believers are the ones who have received spiritual gifts from God. So according to the Bible then, there's not one Christian in this world who does not have some ability to to be able to serve other people in the church. All of you have at least one spiritual gift. And so it does not matter if you're old, it doesn't matter if you're young, it doesn't matter if you're educated, uneducated, rich or poor, strong, weak, mature, immature, it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, okay? You have at least one spiritual gift. And more than likely, more than one. And so many believers, at least from my experiences, a lot of believers don't seem to really know what their spiritual gift is. But that doesn't change the fact that you have one, at least one. So let me give you some statements, and then I'll explain these. But I hope these statements will encourage you. So listen carefully to some amazing statements. Number one, the fact that every Christian has been gifted by God means that each member of our church is indispensable in God's plan. I hope that was clear as we read 1 Corinthians 12. Every part of the body is important. So when one part hurts, the whole thing hurts. When one part rejoices, the whole part of the body's rejoicing. You don't believe me? Just take a hammer and hit one of your fingers, right? No, don't do that. Please don't literally do that. But you get the point, right? It hurts. And you notice, and that's the point God's using the analogy of the body there to show how the church works, because the church is a body. Every member is indispensable. So it doesn't so don't 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 wish that you have somebody else's gift. The Holy Spirit knows what's best. Alright? Let me give you another statement. Every gift is important. That's kind of expanding on what I just said. So I'll give you some examples to kind of explain that, that every gift is important. For example, anybody who sews or cooks, now those aren't spiritual gifts, I don't think, but anybody who sews or cooks understands the importance of measuring. If you don't, then try cooking something and just throwing ingredients together. Now, you might get lucky, but you can. that's kind of dangerous. For example, a handmade dress produced by a seamstress who, who isn't measuring the various segments of cloth could end up making a very ugly-looking dress and one that doesn't fit right. And it's the same with a cook who's, who's making a cake. Uh, if you're just carelessly throwing indiscriminate amounts of random ingredients into a bowl and try to make a cake, well... That can turn out really bad, can't it? In order for a dress or a cake to function as it's intended, careful measuring needs to take place. Well, fortunately, the Bible says that God has wisely measured out the gifts that He has given to His church. He knows what He wants to produce in the church. He knows exactly what gifts are needed to get the job done could say God is the master delegator in this way. And this means that every believer plays a very important role then in the progress of the church. 
See, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt our church as well, by the way, if you aren't faithfully exercising your giftedness. God has gifted you. If you don't use it, then that gift is not probably not being exercised like it should be in the church. And so just as you, you forget a piece of cloth can destroy a dress or you, you somehow miss one key ingredient that can ruin a cake, well, it's the same in the church. Church can be ineffective. Christians can be ineffective if they're not functioning according to the biblical pattern. I hope that helps. So here's the point. Every gift is important. I say that because I've heard people say, well, uh, you, I, I'm not important, or this gift is not important. It's not, it's not visible or whatever. Well, that's not true. The Holy Spirit did not make mistake. Here's another inst- uh, statement to think about. Many gifts are different. Many gifts are different. Just like 1 Corinthians 12 talks about many parts of the body are different. It wouldn't, wouldn't be right if your body was one giant eyeball or you know, if it was a foot or a hand, right? It needs to be multifaceted. So it's good that there's different gifts. And we, we should not expect every believer to be equally proficient or successful in, in a certain area of service. That's fine. There's only one man who, who's ever walked this earth who, who had all the spiritual gifts and was able to exercise those gifts perfectly. Of course, I'm referring to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. And so the rest of us, we've only received a certain measure. Did you notice he even uses that word there in Ephesians 4, 7? The grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. You've only got a part. You're not Jesus Christ. you just got a measure of it. So many gifts are different. And number four, here's another statement to think about. Not all Christians have the same giftedness. And we ought to praise God for that. But please understand, this is not an excuse for us to neglect responsibilities given to all believers for example uh, it would not be right for you to say well I'm, i'm just not gifted in that area therefore i'm not going to do that whatever that is that and so every christian is commanded for example to pray all christians are commanded to give to love to confront to evangelize other things the bible talks about God commands us to do those things. And so it's no excuse for us not to do them just because you you don't think you're somehow not spiritually gifted in that way. Let me put it another way. While each of us is commanded to be a general practitioner, think GP, each of us is required to be a specialist in some area or areas. Okay? So while you are faithfully serving God in the church, you should spend the most time, your most energy, towards serving in the areas the Holy Spirit has gifted you, whatever that is. And and you should be very careful not to expect other believers, by the way, to be equal or or to, to do what you do. Be very careful of that judgmental, critical attitude that, that we tend to have. 
uh, again, I'll give you an example. Some Christians uh, might be so gifted in evangelism that it, it, it's like it comes naturally to them. When in reality it's not, it's supernatural. And, and they regularly see people converted to Christ, but people with the gift of evangelism tend to be critical and judgmental and look down on other people who, who haven't won as many people to Christ as they have. That's one of the downsides of, of that gift. But that carries over into other gifts too. Whatever your gift is, you, you might tend to be critical of others who don't do what you do or don't have the same passion that you do. Right? So be careful of that attitude, because not all Christians have the same giftedness. And then the last statement, number five, is not all Christians with the same giftedness have the same amount of giftedness in that specific area. Hey, God doesn't make us the same. For example, uh, there's a spiritual gift of mercy. And among people gifted in mercy, some will be more gifted than others. Yeah, those are the kind of people that might, might enjoy going and visiting people at the hospital, for example, or if they're sick at home. They're the kind of people who write cards and constantly calling people on the phone and visiting people who are hurting in various ways. Someone with the gift of mercy is going to do that sort of thing, but some of you freak out, you know, calling people on the phone, going to the hospital. Oh, that's scary. And to some people it is. It's because you probably don't have the gift of mercy, <laughs> if that's the case. But uh, among those gifted in mercy, some are going to be more gifted than other people. It's the same with all the gifts, by the way. Maybe especially important to remember that uh, when you're ev evaluating various leaders in the church, by the way, leaders, teachers in the church, not everybody's going to be equal in that way either. What often happens with with pastors and preachers is is uh, we we get compared to other pastors and teachers and preachers, Speci especially with the internet these days. Uh, I know some of you listen to preachers on the internet. Uh, don't compare me to, with them. That's dangerous. But what you should do is thank God for the abilities that God has given to our church and pray for more, that we would use the ones we have and, and grow in that area. Okay, let's move on, because this text is just loaded here for us. So here's my next question, number four, is why are spiritual gifts given? Why is the Holy Spirit Jesus giving these gifts to the church. Well, in Ephesians 4, Paul's going to discuss the very purpose of spiritual gifts in the church. So, again, let's read starting verse 11. Verse 11 says that He, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Why? Verse 12 answers that. Why? to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. So, let's think about the purpose of using our spiritual gifts. What's the purpose? Well, number one, according to the text right there, is that leaders are to use their 
gifts to equip the saints. By the way, saints are not fat little babies with wings sitting on clouds. Right? That, that is a horrible misconception. According to the Bible, saints are just Christians, okay? believers. And, and it says here, leaders are to use their, their gifts to equip the saints, other Christians. So a leader's job is not to do all the work of ministry, according to this text, but the leaders of the church are to equip the other Christians in the church to do the work of the ministry. Now that may not be a revelation to you, but in some churches they think it's they they pay the leaders of the church to do all the work. Wrong. That's not what this text says, does it? And by the way, the Greek verb translated equip, there's an interesting word. It it's the idea of mend, to prepare, to restore. It has the idea of filling in what is lacking, making something ready or renewing something to usefulness. So leaders are to prepare you so you can be useful for Christ's service. So a pastor or an elder needs to view themselves as kind of like a coach. You ever had a coach? Or maybe even the physician of a rugby team, for example. Uh, sometimes uh, the physician of a rugby team needs to mend a player who's been injured so that they, they can then be prepared and restored to go out and do battle on the field of life. There's a lot of preparation that goes into playing a rugby game, a lot of mending that takes place sometimes during a game. There's a lot of restoring that takes place after the game, too. <laughs> they get beat up out there. It's the same in life, isn't it? You get beat up. You need some mending. You need some restoring so that you can, you can do the work of the ministry. That's the way it is in the Christian life. And so the gifts that leaders have received should be used to teach, model, counsel, confront, develop your abilities so that you can serve the body of Christ. So leaders are to use spiritual gifts to equip the saints. And number two, members are to use their gifts to do the work of service. We just read that there, verse 12. Now there's a difference between the leader's role and the member's role here. So let's distinguish. And, and, and if, this, if this role difference is ignored, well, then you can end up with problems, and it can be detrimental to the church. Unfortunately, many members assume that they, they pay their pastor to do all the ministries of the church. But God has not designed the church to work that way. Most of the ministry of the church need to be carried out by, by people like you. And so this approach to ministry comes from the biblical doctrine of the priesthood of the believer put uh, the verse up here on the screen here for you. By the way, this is a Baptist distinctive. One reason I'm a Baptist is I love this doctrinal truth called the priesthood of the believer. It comes from places like 1 Peter 2, verse 5, which says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So the priesthood of the believer is just that 
you're a priest before God. So you don't need to you don't need some earthly priest like some religions believe. You don't need an earthly priest cuz you are a priest and you can go directly to to the Father through the God man, our great high priest, Jesus Christ. And so as a member of the body of Christ, you are a priest before God. And you're to be a minister. And I'm here primarily to, to just help you to be effective in your service to Christ. Now, another point needs to be made here. It's God wants every Christian to do the work of the ministry and to do it every day of the week. This, this ought to be happening every day of the week. Work of ministry needs to be taking place all the time. That's the point. So, if members are using their gifts to do the work of service, then that will happen. For example, I'll I'll give you one verse from Hebrews 3, verse 13, which just says, exhort one another every day. There's a lot of one another commands in Scripture. And that particular one there says, you're to be exhorting each other every day. I don't want to make you feel too guilty, because none of us do this. But that's our responsibility. That's your responsibility. Every day this ought to be taking place. So you you should always be asking yourself two questions as you're thinking here about the purpose of spiritual gifts. Number one, ask yourself this question. How can I be served and challenged by other members of the church? Okay, It's not the pastor's job to be doing this. Well, it is part of my responsibility, yes, but it's not just my responsibility. It's your responsibility. Every one of you ought to be challenging and serving each other. A second question you ought to be asking is this. Who in the church and outside of it then can benefit from my abilities and resources? God's gifted you not to hoard the gift, but to use it for the edification of the body. So those two things you ought to be thinking about with the spiritual gifts God's given you. All right, let's talk about the results. Three positive results here in this text. Three positive results from Ephesians 4. Number one, what's going to happen if the whole church is doing what God planned the church to be doing? Well, this is awesome. Verse 13 says that our church will become unified and loving. Unified and and loving, because verse 13 says that you, you do this until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Wow. So Paul says that the spiritual gifts are to operate and, until that happens, until you attain to the unity of the faith. Sadly, what happens in a lot of churches is not unity but disunity part of that is they're not doing what god has designed it to do here they are experiencing disunity and some churches split because the gifts are not practiced in the biblical manner and those of you who are by the way are not involved in the ministry of of this particular church you need to be aware 
from my experience, I've noticed and from what I've heard over the years is people who aren't involved end up becoming the most critical oftentimes. They're kind of like the uh, they're kind of like the spectators who kind of just sit up in the crowd. They aren't actually playing on the team. <laughs> and so they're over there on the sideline or up in the stands, very critical, but they're not involved. That's dangerous, very dangerous. But when we're serving each other through the power of the Spirit, then a dependence upon one another can happen. Gratefulness for one another will hopefully develop, and you'll, you'll draw closer to one another. I mean, that's, that happens with players on the field. It happens with soldiers in the military. They draw close to one another when they're, when they're working together. So the first result is our church will become unified and loving if we're using our spiritual gifts. Number two, our church will become mature and wise, according to verses 13 to 15. So notice there's this danger in verse 14 that you can be, become tossed about, thrown about by every wind of doctrine, the biblical these teachings can just come and go and you you you're you you be like a a ball in the waves <laughs> at the mercy of the waves but instead verse 15 says we're to be speaking the truth in love we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ and so what satan and, and his demons often do is bombard churches with false doctrine Worldly philosophies, and unfortunately many churches seem to be undiscerning. They're like, verse 14, they're like gullible children who just seem to adopt any new idea that just comes down the pipe to them. But when we're understanding and practicing our spiritual gifts, the Bible here is saying there, becomes a, there, there comes a level of maturity that can be reached here. And then we're able to, to fend ourselves off from the schemes of the devil. So our church can become mature and wise. The third result, if we're using our spiritual gifts, according to this text, is our church will become effective and successful. We'll become effective and successful. Because verse 16 talks about this whole body here joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We need to pray toward that end. And so when we're using our spiritual our gifts, notice it's Christ here causing the growth of the church. And when members of the church are fulfilling the, you, those unique roles that He's given to you, then the church will grow. It's going to grow in two ways, by the way. Don't, don't just think numerically. Uh, that may not happen. That's not assured. But at least we will be growing in quality. And, and hopefully quantity as, as well. That's not inherently a bad thing. So as you're doing your part in building up our church, then, then this, these are the results that we've seen here. So let me ask you, are you 
doing your part? Or are you squandering the spiritual giftedness that has been given to you? Are you hindering our church from growing? Are you hindering yourself and others from growing? I like the way Charles Spurgeon said it. This comes from a book called Spurgeon at His Best. I quote, Spurgeon says, I do not believe it is before every Christian either to serve his God with all his heart or to fall into sin. I believe we must either go forward or we must fall. The rule is in Christian life, if we do not bring forth fruit unto the Lord our God, we shall lose even our leaves and stand like a winter's tree, bare and withered. End quote. I hope you get the point. May we not stand bare and withered, bearing no fruit. Well, by this point, some of you might be asking, this next question will end with this one, how can we discover our spiritual gifts? You say, well, I I don't even know what my spiritual gift is. How am I supposed to use it if I don't even know? Well, it's important to know where our giftedness lies. You're right. It's kind of hard to use something if you don't even know what it is. So let's, let's just focus on this for a moment. I'm going to give you some brief suggestions. Notice I use the word suggestion. Okay, These are just suggestions of how you can discern what is your spiritual gifts. Number one, study the Bible. Let's start there. Study the Bible. There are several passages here that you need to study. At least start with those. For example, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter chapter 4. Those are some good ones. And if you study those, they're all about spiritual gifts. And uh, that then you'll at least know about them a little more than hopefully you do now. And by the way, it might be helpful to, to go beyond just reading it. Study them. Dig Dig deep. Look at the Greek words, get, get some conservative commentaries that might help explain the passage to you. So you can start by studying the Bible, and of course, as you do that, number two, you need to pray. You need to pray, because look what First uh, John 5.14 says. This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, we read earlier in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, that God's will is He doesn't want us to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts. That's His will for your life. So asking for wisdom in determining our giftedness is a request that God is, is willing to answer because it's according to His will. So study the Bible, pray, and number three, examine your motives. Examine your motives. Why do you want to know what is your spiritual gift? Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 17, He said, If any man will do his will, referring to the Father's will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Notice, you have to have the desire to do God's will. And so if your motive is that 
you want to be admired by people? Wrong motive. Or if, you, if there's some other selfish motive, then the process is, is going to fail from the very beginning. Because God, that's not His will for you just to be admired by people. So evaluate your motives. And number four, evaluate your abilities. So in the context of spiritual gifts, in Romans chapter 12, it's interesting, verse 3 says, we should exercise sound judgment regarding this allotment of grace that's been given to each of us. Exercise sound judgment is what it says. So a helpful way to do that is make a list. For example, uh, I've got four things on my paper here. You might make a list, for example, uh, a can-do. So make a list of ways you know that you're able to serve. Things you, you know you're able to do. You, you can make another list of, well, these are things I, I've, I've done these things. Ways God has already used me in the church. And then you might make a third list of things to do better. Areas of service in which you're improving in. And then the, then the fourth one is, well, these are things that I, I, I want to do. Ministries you might want to be involved in. So as you start making a list, then that'll help you to evaluate your abilities. And then that gives you something to work with when you go talk to other people as well, which is the fifth point. Talk to other people. Ask other believers what's their opinion of you. And this is, of course, coming from Proverbs. Proverbs talks about the importance of receiving godly counsel. For example, Proverbs 11.14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15, verse 22, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. So according to Proverbs, it is wise to seek godly counsel. Often people, other people can see stuff you can't. I uh, certainly found that to be true in my own life. All right, number six, last just suggestion here to think about is then just take opportunities to serve. Just take opportunities to serve. Sometimes you just don't know what your spiritual gift is, and you can find out what is your spiritual gift as you just serve in the church. That was certainly the case in my life. And by the way, you should only enter into a specialized area of service after following the other suggestions. And if you don't see any warning flags during those other steps of preparation, then your experience serving in a particular area then is going to reveal whether you're actually gifted in it or not. So... Just think about those suggestions there. They'll be helpful to you. Well, unfortunately, many churches, including ours, we're not immune from this disease, if, if you want to call it that, where people are, are uh, how do I say this? In church life, it's, a lot of churches are kind of like a, I'll, I'll equate it to a rugby game. Where, where people are content to just let few people work hard. <laughs> like, you, you got the rugby players out on the field working incredibly hard while 
all the other people there sitting enjoying the, the, the spectacle before them. And sadly, many churches are like that where, where leaders are seem to be doing all the work while the members of the church often, uh, too often the case, or, or a small minority of members in the church are just kind of sitting idly by. They might be cheering, maybe not. Too often there's criticism, or they just pass the time. But hopefully you can see from what the Bible is saying here, it's clear, I hope, that life in the church is not a spectator sport. It's not. Everybody's supposed to be out there playing, if you will. And so we've been given spiritual gifts to use in service for others. And only by doing so are then can we become a faithful team. It's team effort. Team effort. Just like on a rugby team, one player can't is, is going to be unsuccessful. It takes the whole 15 guys working together as a team in order for them to be successful. That's the way it is in the church. God's designed us to be key players in His game plan. God, here, here's my proposition, by the way, for you. Think about this as we go our separate ways. That God wants every Christian then to be a full-time minister in the work of the local church. I put quotation marks around full-time minister because some people think, well, that's, that, that's only if you get paid to do it. No. Every Christian is a full-time minister serving Christ in His church. So that's what God wants. The question is, are we doing it? Well, may God enable you to do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for giving us Ephesians chapter 4. Thank You for giving us the Spirit who enables us to serve in the church. We're thankful for spiritual gifts. We're thankful for Your beautiful plan. And we're thankful that we can be a part of this beautiful plan. Enable us. You would give us a measure of Christ's gift here. That we would know what our spiritual gifts are. And we would use them joyfully serving You and others. May we love Your church because Christ loves the church and gave Himself for her. So may we love what Jesus Christ loves. May we serve faithfully using what we have been given, not for our glory and not for our honor, not to impress people, but may we do it for Your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.